time for the Gore and More podcast. Gonna have a good time. Gonna have a good time. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We're going on now. A ball break, walking hand in hand in the moonlight. We'll be the sweets all day. I swear we'll never part. We're going on now. A ball break, running in the sand, feeling alright. And what's up, everybody? What the fuck? <laughs> and what's up, everybody? And welcome to the Gormore Podcast. This is your host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser. And joining me, as always, your dark lord of knowledge, Chad Chrisman. What's up, bitches? Big Johnny D. What's going on, Gorehounds? And the killing machine himself, Bobby Amone. What's up, yeah, fucks? Today is April 27th, 2020, and we got a fantastic episode for you today. But first, it's time for your slice life. Big Johnny D, what'd you do today? Uh, not much. Uh, pretty chill week. Just gaming, schooling. Uh, got outside, enjoyed some of the nice weather I did get this week, and did some of the uh, parental outside cleaning. You know, trimming trees, all that good shit. Unfortunately, as we all know, as adults, the biggest adult peer pressure is when your neighbor starts cutting his fucking grass because you're like, God damn it, now I got to do mine. But uh, yeah, man, just been a nice chill week. Still fucking rocking this whole quarantine shutdown shit. Uh, on the good note is our factory actually just started calling people back this week. We're going to start actually uh, resuming pr- production, but it's going to be like a slow ramp up. So well, after like the next month, everybody should be hopefully back into the regular grind of things. But other than that, man, it's been a pretty chill week. Chad, how you been, buddy? I've been all right. Working. Work last night, last week kind of sucked. It was. Oh, week. yeah. Good. Just a whole vicious cycle started with uh, night shift having to fill in, so day shift had to cover their stuff. We were falling behind. There were days where we didn't complete a single order, so it had to fall on night shift again, and blah, blah, blah. Just went this whole big circle. So this week should be going better as far as work goes. Other than that, not much. I did complete The Outer Worlds now. Awesome. I finished that. It was uh, it was pretty good. I, I'm I didn't get the best ending, but I got one of the better endings out of it. So I finished that, and I started playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Nice. So I've only got about a half hour into it. I'm not very far into it yet. You dip a toe into Battle of the Grid yet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes crazy. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. I, I did mostly uh, just the storyline just to try and I'm still trying to figure out why I have characters locked in the select screen as far as playing like the arcade mode. Because you haven't bought DLC. I did buy DLC. They're not unlocked. Oh. Um, well, then I do not know. <laughs> I was going to say, that'd be the only thing. Once you buy the DLC, it should be all good to go. But That's what I thought, hmm. too. I don't know. But I don't know. Fair it, enough. It should buy, be buy in there, more. they say. But yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, awesome. Like I said, it has... It, Gameplay mechanics are almost like I said. With um, it reminds me a lot of Marvel versus Capcom, with yep. the tagging in and out and everything. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a tight little game, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And also, and uh, Friday night had a little bit of family time, and we uh, ordered pizza and watched Frozen Two. The hell was that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. first one I thought. It wasn't terrible. No, no, it was. I was expecting it to be really stupid, and it wasn't. Listen, at least it gave you a good rock ballad in the middle of it. You know what I mean? That thing stuck in my freaking head. 
right? <laughs> and I like Weezer's version of it better. Yeah. <laughs> well, Weezer does everything better. Well, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I think that's about all we uh, did. I played outside with the kids and cleaned house. But uh, so, yeah, that's all I got done. Hey, oh, <laughs> hey my wife uh, wants a little bit of drink there, Bobby. Stephanie, I would love to, but I need my wine. Okay. So, uh, Bobby, how are you still holding up there, buddy? How was your week? Uh, <clears throat> we're holding up. Uh, I'm st- I've been out of work just for the two weeks, which should be coming to an end. I want to say either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm just waiting on a phone call because they got to call me, make sure everything is okay and shit. I mean, I'm healthy. The house is healthy. We're all healthy here. Um Mom's doing all right. We're hanging in there. It's just a day-by-day thing, but still normal. Still working out. Still got my cosplays to work on. Um, I'm still finding a little more bits and bits to do with Jason and stuff like that. And then I have a few other ones I'll start soon. So that'll happen. But hopefully this week and the end of this week at least, <laughs> go back to work soon. And so that's it. I don't really have too much more other than we're holding up. Boss man. What about you? Podcast here, podcast there. Uploaded a bunch of stuff. Finally got uh, caught up on all the backed episodes of TJ Bowser Power Hour and Jerk the Curtain. Everything's up on the website. And of course, guess what? Our numbers go up as things get uploaded. Go Nick! How about that? Wow. Uh, Also, I finished working out all the strings for uh, getting the Power Hour on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, That means it's on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms now. So go on over and search TJ Bowser Power Hour and find your new favorite podcast. Well, other than there, Bobby? It's the Nintendo version of Friday the 13th. Yeah. (laughs) One of the shittiest games ever made. Yeah, there we go. And yet every single one of us here and watching would play it. I have. Not not the shittiest, though. No. That's Nightmare on Elm Street is worse. E.T., yep, all right. I'm oh. glad Chad brought that out. There's literally a there's a fucking landfill in like Arizona somewhere that's just a mountain of E.T. games. They found those, by the way. Like, Did they really? They found them. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my! I always thought that was just a big fucking rumor, but I was kind of always secretly hoping it was true. They found them. That's your, your deepest fears and dreams. <laughs> and I just think they remember that there is a Raiders of the Lost Ark game that was not much better. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Take your word for it. I never, t- I never touched that. Oh one. yeah, that's right. It was, uh, it was on the same system. Yeah. Oh my god, it was terrible. Angry mm-hmm. video game nerd for the win. <laughs> yeah, Just right. to let you guys know that later we will be doing live call-ins. So if you guys want to be called, put your name in the chat box, and we will call you and get your opinion on Hellraiser Two later on in the show. But to continue my slice of life, uh, I do have some cosplay stuff. Kaufman's been working on my uh, part six cosplay as we speak. Actually, he got him uh, the stab wounds today. So uh, things should be wrapping up with that fairly soon. Other than that, uh, lots of things going on behind the scenes. A lot of plans, maybe possible uh, things happening. We started a group chat last night, started talking a little bit here. Maybe uh, things will come to fruition from that but anyway on to this week's review of hell razor to hell bound from 1988 directed by tony randell written by peter atkins and clive barker produced by christopher fig not newton david baron 
<laughs> Claire Higgins as Julia Cotton, Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty Cotton, or as Bingo. Right there she is. Kenneth Granham, what a name, as Dr. Philip Chenard or, or the Chenard Cenobite. Imogen Borman, which sounds, yeah, I don't know. Sounds Swedish. Sounds something. slightly Swedish, as Tiffany. Uh, <laughs> Doc Bradley as Pinhead slash Captain Elliot Spencer. Ooh. Nicholas Vince as Chatterer slash Chatterer 2. Tutor. That, yes. I'll, I'll explain that. Simon Bamford as Butterball, Barbie Wild, not Kim Wild's sister, as female Cenobite, Sean Chapman as Frank Cotton. Yeah. Okay. Music by Christopher Young, cinematography by Robin Vigian, and boy, do I like Robin's vision. Edited by Richard Martin and Tony Randell, distributed by New World Pictures, released December 23rd, 1988, runtime of 99 midgets, budget 6 million, gross 12.1 million. And I'm going to smack Bobby out, and then I'm going to show this, and then I'm going to solo that. Chad? Oh, that beautiful bean. The vision is, is renewed. The, the power is, is reawakened. I have to say the fact that uh, all these trailers are in 360p adds to the whole is is of the show. <laughs> Beautiful. Because they have had to turn. Child's Play's catch line. The fuck if I know. I don't think it's time. <laughs> uh, that was a great trailer. It was. Great it was a very trailer, good trailer. Mm-hmm. Very good. Bobby, uh, you sound a little muffled there, buddy. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fine. <laughs> By the way, I have a little friend, friend yes. joining me here in the studio. Aha! With my nice look at that pinhead figure that taught. Uh, let's get some uh, talking action here going. We... we have such sights to show you. Ooh, fucking beautiful! I got How a heart on that bad, now. How tall is that bad boy stand? Ooh. It's not porn. It's the end of Lost Boys. 
You know what the weird part is, uh, Chad, with your with your pinhead there. That's based on the original look. All the other ones they're making now are all based on like Hellraiser three. It's it's and interesting. Centibite, which this one is actually a lot harder to find than pinhead without eyes. Yeah, mm. I don't think they made that version. Um, and the I don't figures the little orc figures they did. Oh yeah, that's right. You're that's right. They made a wall then. Looks like we're up for at least two calls so far uh, later in the show. Also, before we get into the main review today, I would like to uh, show you guys what we're all drinking. Uh, Chad and I have a tasty beverage on hand today. Possible future sponsor of the show, Liquid Death Mountain Water. Murdering our thirst. Look at that, guys. It is delicious. It is like uh, Perrier, but uh, milder. Milder. There, there's yeah. not as much carbonation, so it doesn't make it bitter. And by the way, I already have to piss like a Russian racehorse from this. Ooh, Russian. A Russian racehorse. You better empty that can and just put it right below the camera line, dude. Just like I can't good. stop going when I start, man. It stings. <laughs> just give me another bottle, quick. <laughs> Tic Tac. You so. have anything about the canard centibite getting injured? Yeah. Okay. Yep, Don. Uh, we will mention it in the behind the scenes. Don't worry, Chadwick is called the Dark Lord of Knowledge for a reason. Exactly. Uh, so, without further ado, it's time for the review. Look at that. Don't call me Dr. Seuss, bitch. Uh, let's, plot let's rundown. Plot it's rundown. been a while, so having escaped the clutches of Pinhead and the demonic Cenobites, Kirstie Cotton awakes to find herself detained at the Chenard Institute a hospital for the mentally ill, but her torments are far from over. The chief doctor at the Institute is determined to unleash the powers of hell to achieve his own twisted ends. Chouinard has been searching for the doorway to hell for years and resurrects Julia from the blood-stained bed on which she died. Now Kirsty must swallow them to save her father and witness the power struggles among the newly damned. And we also get skinless titties, and that is an automatic four. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yes, Three one wet. Yes. So, guys, what did you think of this movie? We're going to start with Bobbert Amoni. <sighs> what did I think of this movie? You know, I know like pretty much everybody who watches this, and maybe a few exceptions, the first one is always held in very high regard, rightfully so. But this movie really lets it loose. Like, this is what I was more expecting in the first one than what we got. Now, I'm not putting down the first one. I do love the first one. Don't get me wrong. But it, it, this is just one of those where I wanted to see the world. I wanted to see where they came from. And this movie did it. So why it was not as successful, why it only made $12 million, uh, Chad, I don't know if you have a fact for that, but I still don't know why it only made that much. That's bullshit. Like, seriously, this is a great movie. And I love uh, hold on, what was the release date on it? 88. No, 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 the, um, the date. The date. Uh, December. Uh, horror is a pretty hard sell around the Christmas holidays. Mm -hmm. Unless no, it's true. Horror, it's holiday themed, you're not going to get much uh, much of your money back. True. Yeah, this is true. But I mean, are, the good thing about it is they, they still um, made their money back and yeah. some more. But this movie, I really loved it. It was really good. The effects were great. And then I, I still don't understand some of the makeup changes, which you'll go into later. But it was interesting. It was like, wait, where the fuck did that come from? Mm -hmm. But and the cinematography was really good. I I liked how it was lit. The only gripe I have right now, because 
when she took the blood and looked at it, it was too damn light. Can we talk about? Well, that was it. I, I guess we can talk about this more as we get into the questions, but I don't really see a question that would tie into this. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but due to budgetary constraints of this film, 50% of actual sets are replaced by matte paintings. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm glad you brought I could that see up. that. I had a note. Bad ones, yeah. too. I had a note saying, boy, if you like matte paintings, then this movie's up your fucking alley. Every man. fucking hallway that isn't <laughs> used is a matte painting. Every I establishing saw. shot of the labyrinth is a matte painting. Every- carnival. Matte painting. Yes. Every- yeah, Everything's a fucking matte painting. the worst matte painting in the whole movie. The sky <laughs> above the institute. There's a matte painting. <laughs> and if you also notice, when they're going down those hallways, when they're in the, the labyrinth, Look at the oh, wall. Yeah. Just, dude, dude, it's fucking blowing behind it. There's <laughs> like, it looks doors. like wallpaper. What the fuck it, is I, this? It, I, funny you mentioned that because one of my big one of my gripes was there was a scene where Kirsty was standing in the hallway and she like slams her hand against the the, the brick the brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> Takes back and forth. <laughs> I, I saw that. I'm like, no. I thought, I thought no. And when uh when Frank throws her against the wall. See, oh, I expect yeah. that for something here, but not on a movie set. Yeah, uh, that that type of uh, shit show is uh, nah. Right. To that that really got under my skin. Yeah. See, and I thought you were going to talk about when she first came into the labyrinth, and then like looked down, and you saw the like the long shot behind her, and then she ran down that hall, but then she quick cuts right again because obviously that you can clearly tell it's the fucking fabric just hanging there. It's kind of funny. Like they literally made like a ten foot area. Like, okay. oh, running a circle. The cinematography. Mixed with that, uh, the matte painting, it worked. It, it yeah, worked. It, I mean, it achieved what they set out to do, and that was supplement those budgetary constraints with vi- visual effects. Oh yeah, man! If you had to pay for this done in like CGI nowadays, oh my god! Oh, yeah, okay. and the hallways, like I said, the the mood was captured, but like I said, there's just a little nuances you saw but if you're not paying attention you won't notice it part of me feels like the simplicity of the labyrinth within leviathan makes it so much more scarier because you don't know what's going on and all it is is looks like this giant empty void so maybe that makes it more terrifying than most depictions of hell I always saw this as a dimension that lives within the Lamont configuration that is released whenever it's solved. That's how I always saw it. Heaven and hell depiction. I don't know. The whole fucking. We talked about this the other uh, today, actually. Just the interpretations of this story and everything that it means could be anything. Anything. Right. So like if you guys have any fucking big questions at the end of the episode that like dive deep into any sort of uh, mythology of this, don't ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Which in other terms means Johnny, ask him. Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. I actually got a, I got a bunch of questions from this movie. Although I do, uh, if you guys get the chance and you want a little bit more insight into the whole Hellraiser universe, go and pick up the old Boom Studios series. I'm I'm uh, I've been fucking around with a lot of the Hellraiser. They comics. were yeah. really well done. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Boom right. Studio, you said. Yeah, uh, I think the first run was actually written by Clive himself, mm-hmm. and then oh, uh, sure. Byte started writing them themselves. Uh, I love Nicholas Vince's and Barbie's depiction because Barbie is such a femme 
like a more of a feminine type writer, and she really empowers uh, vag- vagina neck female centipede. Uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, with the name, she was actually a very well written character in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I especially liked it when uh, Kirsty became the new pinhead for a while too. Yeah. Oh, really, okay, guys? Uh, so the review. Well, you know what I mean. I was the one who hated on the first one originally yeah. when we first reviewed this. Like, and I will fully admit to that. Still hate it. I think it's boring as fuck. I will totally say it's a gory lifetime movie, and I will stick to my fucking statement. Um, that being said, this movie is far superior to the first one. Yes. Uh, I agree with Chad when he originally told me that, and it made me much happier going into it, knowing that you guys think it's at least better, or it's, you know, a majority of people think it's better than the oh, first one. Well, we don't think, we know. Well, the, fair. And I and I told Chad this uh, pre-show. This is one of those films that is best uh, enjoyed coupled with the first one. You know, I would agree. However, I haven't watched the first one since we reviewed it, and I feel like there's enough recap in this movie to where you really don't need to watch it. I feel like it's not Silent Night, Deadly Night too. I feel like watching the first one has its own place, and I think watching it the whole way through and getting all of the uh, the story is necessary i i don't know just kind of it helps with the uh like frank would frank really even make sense if we didn't watch the first movie because frank's really not explored much within no the no, no i'm not saying you not have i'm not saying yeah. watching the first movie. i'm just I'm, saying you don't I, have to watch it right away this film is appreciated best when coupled with the first film is what i'm saying right. is because then everything is then contextually proper right i mean they filled you in pretty much but all the it, way there. This book, well, this this movie in the first movie is literally just Hellbound Heart split into two. So Okay. That makes sense because this seems like if you figured if you figured these were it was one solid movie. It's both films, it's yeah. Like the first one would definitely be like a third, and then the second it's one would be the Hardy last two thirds. Circle because then she goes to hell and tries to get her dad back. See, I really don't remember. Oh, but okay. I, I do remember uh there was a female pinhead in yeah. the in the original. Yes. Wasn't wasn't Pinhead originally supposed to be female? I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this one, dude. This movie was. um, I mean, obviously, you still got to take it with the time. Uh, I did. Not skinhead though. Fuck off. Uh, Pretty close. (laughs) close. It goes Dan Geef and ended up going straight white supremacist. I mean, dude, I could go. I could pick it, man. We could go the fucking Peter Anthony. I'll go get the big old fucking cigar. Mad Cuban. But yes, he is definitely doing the white supremacist. He was hiling Hitler before the show. So yes. Oh, totally. <laughs> I was going to shave my little mustache down to fucking this little thing. Yeah, yeah. Frank was quivering. Uh, <laughs> but dude, the you know the gore in this movie was the gore and the score of this movie were like my two favorite. Okay. Fuck. Uh, well, say this. I feel like the, the person who did this. Oh, was the person who scored this the same person who scored Predator 2? Was it? Fact check that for me because they're very similar. I don't think <laughs> probably so. was. I, I would just Vestry did the first predator. I'm not. I don't. I think he did the second one too. This one just felt. It didn't feel like a horror score to me. It felt more of like a orchestral. No, Alan Silvestri did do predator, predator two as well. So no, it's not the same person. Okay, so Christopher Young, did who did the first one, did the original Hellraiser. Okay, because the music okay. Predator two sounds so familiar to something else that I've listened to before. I don't know. I was just watching. I can it. agree with that because I definitely not necessarily Predator, but it that it it sounded familiar. For, not necessarily just from the first Hellraiser. It has some very similar. Elements okay, yeah. Here's a good question. Uh, Brody asks, 
Between the Clive Barker stories, do you guys prefer Candyman or Hellraiser? Hellraiser. Oh, man. Uh, Hellraiser for days. Oh, fucking horse cocks. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start at the bottom. We're going to go with Hellraiser 1, Candyman, and then Hellraiser 2. Okay. Okay. I Actually, I'll agree with Johnny there. Yes. And at the top of that list, Rawhead Rex. Oh, that is a great oh, fucking movie. It was. Still I mean, what, what other movies do you see a priest getting pissed on? <laughs> Not enough. I yeah, I don't. I can't think of one. Okay, well, man, no, we're still in a discussion. I, yeah, I hands down, man. I thought this movie was uh, it was very entertaining. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't bored. I wasn't like, eh, not giving a shit. I didn't pick up my phone once during the whole thing besides just like the initial posts. And then, uh, which is usually always a good sign, man. Cause if I'm fiddling with my phone, then I just don't care. Mm -hmm. That's like the hardest thing that, to really that, try to. That was me during Candyman, by the way. And that's the hardest thing is like when you, when you're at that point and you're just like, no, I need to fucking pay attention. And you still just can't make yourself do it. It's terrible. It's one of the worst feelings ever. Oh my God. Dude. You gotta like slap yourself on the hand. You're like, no, stop that. You know what my preferred way of watching this film would have been? Don't you ever fucking give me shit. It's my fucking Scarlet Box Blu-ray from Arrow. <laughs> if you guys didn't know, Chad's not going to do it because I'll do it to myself. I bought this really cool limited edition uh, Hellraiser trilogy three-pack from Arrow mm -hmm. that I found out it's region B-locked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Well, how's that working out for you? Pretty good. Yeah, maybe last week. It looks amazing on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure all the awesome extras that I've read about that it has are great. You know, um, Arrow did release last year single disc versions of the first two Hellraiser movies that has the extras that were included in the Scarlet Box. You mm. can't get Hellraiser. 3. Or I get a region free 4K player and I just quit blowing it off because i do need one because i did find out that that jaws 4k is coming and we all need that Ooh. yes yes okay moving on with the show uh i love this film uh no qualms i think i'm gonna rate this high uh i honestly really didn't okay i really didn't have to watch this again but i wanted to because of how much i enjoy this film how much i enjoy the hellraiser franchise as a whole anyway so I would have to rate this film really high, and you guys will find out why later. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. Definitely a watch again and again type film for me. So let me ask you this, man. With uh, Would this be like the peak of the series for you, this particular film? Yes. And when do they... I, Hellraiser 3 is Hell on Earth, correct? Yes, that is like the slashery type Hellraiser. See, I'm still kind of stoked to see that. Just, I mean, once again, I've never really gotten that, into the series. So. The column we see rise out of the bed at the end. Some okay. like uh, douchey nightclub oh, yeah. buys it and puts it in his loft and then fucks his girlfriend in front of it and then like walks over after sex and is like, huh, what the fuck's that weird face? Yeah. So uh, right. essentially that's that's the beginning of and Hellraiser. then when do they start going to space? Is that uh that's Hellraiser four? That's three different stories, and we also get to see Mr. Calzone in that. Ooh, really? Wait, Adam Scott's in it? In Hellraiser Four. Oh bro, you just totally sold me. Adam Scott is in Hellraiser. <laughs> I can't remember, it's been a long time since. Yeah, uh, Google anything for Hell uh, Hellraiser Bloodlines, and Adam Scott is like the evil guy in that. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
Interesting. Cows but they do go to uh, space in that one. It's not as good as Leprechaun in space or Jason X, but it's damn near. Which <laughs> Leprechaun in space is fucking wait, wait, Was there two Leprechauns in space or was there two Leprechaun in the hoods? Two, two in the hoods. Two in the hoods. Okay, that's what I always get confused. But uh, going down to the Hellraiser bloodline thing, there was originally the the movie was originally much different from what we got. It was heavily edited down and just edited in such a way that it just kind of jumps back and forth. And there was a much more linear storyline that made sense, and it just uh, completely got lost. That's why the uh, actor had his name taken off. Chad, is it okay if I pulled on your signal real quick to pull up a calzone? <laughs> yes. Okay. Fucking hairdo! Holy shit! (laughs) That's Chad's permanent new face. So, so when did this come out? We're talking probably early two thousands, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, okay, late nineties. No shit, dude. That's hilarious. Great. (laughs) That's what happens. You wake up from a long calzone induced nap, and you want more calzones. Right. That, that's not when you get food poisoning from said calzones and they betrayed you. <laughs> Wait, you've been betrayed by the calzone? You know, that was that whole episode. Oh, I know. That's true. That's right. That is right. I got that picture there of Adam Scott. That's when you eat a calzone at eight, but have to play the vampire Lestat at nine. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, sir. <laughs> yep. Good. Uh, Oh, that is right. He wakes up and he's like, the calzone betrayed me. Like, yeah, because they were like, where's Tom? And then Ron comes in. He's like, oh, that, uh, we are getting a uh, special quarantine episode of Parks and Rec. What? The original cast and crew is getting back together and shooting into their home. This Thursday, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, this Thursday, special social distancing uh, cash reunion episode. It, of it's, wow. it's supposed to be how um, she deals with this whole social distancing, which I personally think would be hilarious because just the power character is. So it's probably gonna be pretty I admit well, uh I think almost all the entire cast came back. Brody, you know I would Bro- say Chris Pratt is probably too busy to do something. No, he actually is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. They got him, which is like the top Okay, without that show now. Chris Pratt would be dick. The same Correct. goes for like uh without Stargate Atlantis, Jason Momoa would be dick. They all had to get their start somewhere. Yes. Stargate Atlantis? I don't know man I Jason Momoa for me, the first thing I saw was Conan, and I enjoyed that. So, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh, you want to see? See? That's my first <laughs> Conan. He was that wraith kicking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. He's so cool in that fucking. Oh, I loved it. Anyway, guys, uh, enough about calzones. Now I want a calzone. Never. Come on. <laughs> I want a big cheesy calzone. You guys want to do some fan calls and get some? Uh... Chad put it in here as mid-show. You want to do that, Chad? Yeah, but I just want to add my little take on Hell, Hellraiser. Yes. Is, and I I agree with everybody that this is... I mean, I know that the original is revered. And it's this fantastic. is the top of the mountain? This this is the pinnacle. This okay. is the top. This puts the hell in Hellraiser. Yes. You get you get more Cenobite action. You get more, more of what you really expected in the first one. So if we call the first one, then if this is the hell brings the hell to Hellraiser, what did the first one bring? <laughs> it was kind of like Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So let's do the live call-ins before we break it down. So first is Brody Kane from Victoria, Australia. Give him a little ring-a-ding. Here we go. We're starting with the... Uh... 
Doppelganger, Hangerbanger. What the fuck is he? Brody Kane, you're live on the show. What's up, Big Dick? <laughs> Hello. Is he there? Brody. Brody. Speak to us, Brody! Talk to me, Goose. Nope. He lost it. Okay. He is, isn't working. So moving on to who else said they wanted to come on here? I think we saw Heather on there. Okay. Uh, Heather, let me pull her up. Uh, Heather Dye from Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Let's give her a ring a ding. Oh, she shared this live stream. Thank you, Heather. She's a good Thank little girl. Yes, anybody listening, if you could please share this, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, Brody's did not work, so we'll give her a ring. Take our sweet-ass time, because Facebook's going to take its sweet-ass time. And we don't get you, Mark Zuckerberg. We do. There we go. Heather Dye, you are live Hello. on the Gormore podcast. What's up? Hi. Hello. I can't hear anything. She can't uh -oh. hear anything. Heather. I can hear her. Heather, darling. Oh, she can't hear me because my computer Hello. is stupid and she should be able to hear me now. Heather, Heather, can you yes. hear me now? Okay, so yes. what is your view on Hellraiser 2? Um, so I just love the gore. I mean, more than anything else, like, both both Hellraiser movies. I was just I was cringing the entire movie. Like I had my friend over yesterday, and he was laughing his ass off because of the sounds I was making and the <laughs> cringing. Um, <laughs> but it's like when I was a kid, I could not watch any of the Hellraiser movies, and I feel completely justified now that I've finally watched them. Like you can watch thirty seconds of this film and be like scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wonderful thing about it. <laughs> so the yeah. gore is like the biggest biggest thing for me um and the only other thing I, you you might you might notice this and you might say it later but when uh uncle frank gets like burned in the fire like his skin completely burns off he's still got his wife beater on I found <laughs> his skin's gone but he's still got a, a blood-soaked wife beater small beaters <laughs> Again, there is no rules within uh, the labyrinth. Oh, by the way, Heather, what, did you, what, did, what was your take on the skinless titties? Yes. <laughs> we're going to ask everybody. I mean, they were, they were supple. They were supple. Well, thanks for calling in, Heather. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Yes, All thank right. you very much, Heather. Bye. Heather. Bye. Okay, let's give the Kangabanga another ring-a-ding-ding -ding from Victoria, Australia. Come on, Zuckerberg. There we go. He's playing with his ding-a-ling. Oh, his ding-a-ling. Brody. Hey, what's up? Uh, there we go. Hey, what's up, Brody? Not much, man. What's happening? There, there he is. Hot on Hellraiser 2. Right, so I've got a few th few things just to roll out. So I thought the score because um, well, basically sets the, t uh, the tone of the film and gives it that I don't know extremely gothic horror taste. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also, the gore, the violence, uh, even when the gore factor is extreme, like it, it feels like it's not overused to play out the meaning of the scene. That's what what I think of that. Um, uh. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's there for a reason. Like, it sets up, like, like the guy cutting himself on Julia's mattress. Um, it's there for a reason. It sets up the second act of the film. And even though it's a hard watch, it's, it's a perfect, grotesque fitting for that scene. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this film. They don't overuse them. Like they, oh, when the gory is presented, yes, it, it's extreme, but it's presented in a beautifully grotesque way. And I've just got one fucking question. The, the crazy-ass random clown juggling his eyes, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> I, I, yeah, that is a good question. I think that was Tiffany's own personal hell. That's yeah, what that's what I went with as well. Like maybe she was just yeah. afraid of clowns and maybe carnivals in general. And juggling his own eyes. That was pretty that was pretty good. Like I I love it, but I've always wondered like I'm just like, what the fuck? And I'd like <laughs> people go and interpret on that. But yeah, the the mythology um of this and hell itself, I, I loved it. Like the production design looked pretty cool, even though yeah, it was like um like it did look shitty at some times, but overall um, when you're trying to pull something off that big in in the '80s, I, I thought they did a pretty good, pretty good job. So yep. yeah, I agree. Much agreed. You know, I said a, a comment to Sarah while we were watching it. I don't know if you can agree with this, Brody, but uh, I think this is one of the films that could benefit if they went back and touched things up with CGI, like some of more the more visual effects, not not the practical effects, but more of the visual effects sides of things. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that they don't even have to show like what they can definitely cut out. Um, Oh, who's the lead again? What's her name? Um, Ashley Lawrence? Uh, yeah, yeah. When she's like banging on shit and you see it move, I, that doesn't really have to fucking be in it. They can quickly just cut that and leave it out. Um, I've also noticed there's a deleted scene that it's pretty cool. It's like a sur- surgeon, um, like pinheads dress up as a surgeon right, when they go yeah. in the basement. Um, that that was a pretty cool scene if they had kept it in there. But yeah. Um, oh, and Johnny. Check out number three. It's the best of the three. I saw your comment, dude, and I actually, uh, seeing that TJ said it's more slasher-esque, I'm definitely more uh, apt to check it out. That's like a, I said, that, I enjoyed this one, so, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's basically like a slasher film and metal. Like, it's a metal MTV slasher film, pretty much. Oh, yes. Right. we got. I'm going to be watching that. Yeah, yep. Isn't the opening scene at a uh, Motorhead concert? I think. Oh, awesome. If it is, it's in the nightclub. No, I think it's Armored Saint, now that I think about it. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I was going to say, if it's, if it it's Motorhead, I can it see that. Okay. Yeah, that'll be for uh, year three, the trilogy of Gormore. Uh That'll be coming yeah, next year. Yeah. Well, Brody, thank you for uh, coming on Gormore. Yes, thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Brody. Oh, boobies. Peace, boys. Cheers. <laughs> Later. Sorry. Any other gore hounds want to be called? uh, Let us know. But we're going to move on with the show. Chad? Yo. Let us peek behind that curtain. You want some juicy behind the scenes stuff, don't you? I'm looking at it right now. Okay. An in depth subplot detailing the origins of Pinhead was scripted but deleted in pre production due to last minute budget cuts. All that remains of this subplot is the film's prologue showing Captain Spencer opening the box and transforming into Pinhead. Pinhead, Captain Spencer's backstory was later explored in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Nice. Oh, yeah, you get a, that's like the central theme of the whole thing. Okay. Uh, um, basically, it's, it's revealed that Pinhead's evil, Pinhead was too evil 
to be destroyed. So like the actual essence of Pinhead survived. So she kind of has to re-merge him with Captain Spencer's soul. Mm-hmm. Ah, that, that, that's that's very 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 condensed down version of the movie. Uh, Clive Barker had developed elaborate backstories for the Cenobites in the first film, though their origins were never explored. In this film, he wanted to make sure that, at the very least, the audience understood that the Cenobites were once human and that their own vices led to their becoming demons. The element was meant to underline the story of Frank and Julia and their corruption by lust, with the latter intended to become the ultimate villain of the series. Basically, they wanted Julia to be the focus of Hellraiser, but Pinhead actually proved so popular that they made him the central focal point. Ooh, yeah. But I think I think the whole series center on Julia just coming back from hell over and over. We do see uh, Kirsty in Hellraiser 6. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that another? Is that in space though? No, no, no. 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 Oh, that comes back. Is it Inferno? I yeah. Think Inferno. I think is Paul- that one of the? Is that the latest one that was made like a couple few years ago? No, that was the one with Paul Taylor as Pinhead. That was the one where mm. Pinhead ends up becoming a homeless man at the end. It's really stupid. Uh, that's oh. the best looking Pinhead since Doug. Well, because the other one that was in between that. Sorry. There was only one other Pinhead, wasn't there? So there, there's been three. There was a CGI yeah. pinhead that oh. almost <laughs> CGI Myers mask. Uh, Moving on, Andrew Robinson refused to reprise his role as Larry Cotton, forcing hasty script rewrites. This partially accounts for the muddled story structure of the final film, which I disagree with. And I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, more in depth further on down the line. Oliver Smith, who played skinless Frank in the original due to his skinny frame, reprised his role along with two extra roles. One is Browning, the mental patient with delusional delusional parasitosis. And the skinless figure Kirsty sees. That's actually skinless Frank, so I don't know why he says it's two separate people. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> The horn sound that is continually made by Leviathan is Morse code for God. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Boy, I wonder how God feels about it. I think he'd be flattered. (laughs) He'd probably want royalties. Kenneth Cranham, who played Dr. Chenard, claimed his involvement was due to his grandson pestering him to take up the the role after uh, being a fan of the original. New line, nah, new line, nah. New World Cinema greenlit the sequel while the first film was in post production. Mm. Damn. Dr. Chenard's name in the script was Dr. Malahide. Chenard is derived from Christian Bernard, who performed the world's first successful heart transplant. So if we did a Pinhead Goes to Hell, would it be a uh, Pinhead Goes Home? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so. Nicholas Vince played the Chatterer, received a hook to the jaw while filming a scene involving his character being impaled on a swinging torture rack surrounded by the many hanging chains. Uh, it has been claimed at the time that the camera had stopped filming just that instance. He also requested his character have eyes to help his vision, which caused some discontent to fans who didn't like the new design. There was a scene in which the character receives his vision, but it was removed from the final cut, which causes all the confusion why he has two different looks. He also turns into a child, doesn't he? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes, he was. But yet there was a scene that explained why he had eyes further on in the film, because in the beginning of the film, he had his original look. And can we also talk about how thickly laced the surgery subplot is in this fucking movie with that Dr. Chenard? 
And then you guys talk about the surgery deleted scene. Like, seriously, there's so much cut out of this film. Why was he just randomly cutting into people's brains, too? I don't know. I don't. I wish that was like in the on the brain surgery in the beginning there. Yeah. Oh, I figured. I mean, this could be just type of mental pay of mental hospital doctor. Yeah, that's what I was just like. He's just studying the brain and he doesn't give a shit who he's using. That's what I figured, too. Like, they're all just throwaways to him, you know? Uh, just thinking, the, give me the next one. The engineer was originally meant to appear, but was deleted. The engineer was that big monstrous thing in the first one that chases Kirsty as she's trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We never oh. saw it. Again. Some of the scenes did appear in older previews where he is over top an unconscious Julia and grabs onto Tiffany's wrist. Ah. Which I haven't seen. Uh, at the time filming took place, Kenneth Cranham was doing a play in London with Gary Oldman. When Oldman heard he was doing Hellbound, he told him he would love to play a part in a horror movie. Then four years later, he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. Gosh, nice. Not as good as Dracula 2000. I would strongly disagree with that. Uh, I haven't no. disagreed. Enough said. <laughs> Never seen 2000, <laughs> so I don't know. No. Who's, who's the rapper on it? I mean, a DMX? I don't know. Is it John? I don't know. There's, there's, oh. Oh, I love that movie. It's so ridiculous. I, I told yeah. you that the other day yes. that they had the, the horrible sets on that. They actually had a VHS player as oh, one yeah. of the futuristic yeah, yeah, yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, I'll agree with you. Bram Stoker's for the win. Oh, yeah, it's epic. Always. Uh, due to Kenneth Cranham being unable to sit in the rig required for the Chenard Cenobite, he only appears as a character in close-up shots with stuntman Bronco McLaughlin playing him the rest of the time. He actually uh, injured himself in the rig. That's why he doesn't... Uh, that's why he couldn't do it. Uh, Bobby and I got to meet all the Cenobites uh, at the last Monster Mania Con we attended. All four of them were there from this film, including Barbie Wilde. Mm-hmm. Nice. We talking about earlier. Yes. Uh, awesome. Awesome meeting all of them. And we actually have uh, Kirsty's autograph here. And then right above that, we have Doug's that we got at Steel City Con. Uh, Doug actually lives near Chad and I here yes, in Pittsburgh. Does. Uh, yeah, I love this. He is not in the best of health right now. He's not. No, mm. no, he had an operation and he had a few other things going on. Yeah. He announced it way before this quarantine came into effect. Well, at least we know we're not worried about uh, him being in pain. Oh, <laughs> oh, and speaking of the Cenobites, in case uh, not everybody realized, the look of the female Cenobite is different because it is yes. a different actress playing her. Okay. That's what I thought too, and I'm like, ah, oh, she had more like skin and bones in the first one. Yeah, she, she had a skinnier face in the first one. Yeah. I wonder if he's like in the hospital and it, like they go to give him pain meds. He's like, no, it's a waste of good suffering. <laughs> I hope he's listening to this and like making a list. TJ Miles are fuck. Well, wait. The, the last time you posted someone on social media, I think he was home, so right. I think he's okay still, like home wise. Good, 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 good. good. Uh, as Chenard kills the original four Cenobites, they each reverts their human forms except for Pinhead. Kirsty had reminded him of who he was as a mortal before Chenard attacked him, allowing him to reclaim his lost humanity before Chenard kills him. Can we talk about that as like such a pleasant way to start the film? It was like kind of showing Pinhead. It's just so yes. cool. I love that. Yeah. So basically, we already answered the question. Yes, the opening scene looks the same. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we will we won't recap because we like continuity. Continue. <laughs> so by the way, so let's, let's just talk about Dr. Chenard for a second. Yes. With the whole thing, the whole getup, was he Leviathan then? 
No, I saw I thought, a Cenobite being controlled by a Leviathan. He was like Leviathan's mouth. Oh, see, I thought it the other way. I thought it was like a, a, a Cenobite that almost like took over the power of the Leviathan. Like he was using no, his own. Leviathan's a god. Leviathan controls yeah. everything. Right. But how all of a sudden is he just a normal Cenobite and just kicks because the fucking at, other ass of four other Cenobites? Leviathan's done with him at the end and then let's, rips his fucking head off. Let's just say that he's Leviathan's puppet. There. That's, I that's, that's fair. That's how I see it. That's actually a pretty good way to think about because it. Because in uh, the lore, uh, Cenobites are, are described as the foot soldiers of the Leviathan. So, so they are the physical manifestation of everything yeah. that it symbolizes. So don't you think it would be weird, though, that like the god would want... No, because the god originally brought Kirsty back to bring him another person to become a Cenobite. Which is why he gets then put into the Cenobite machine and then be and then is used as a mouthpiece for the Leviathan for the rest of the film, trying to bring Kirsty into Yeah. Okay. That was a very interesting everything that happened in the first movie full circle and leaving no loose ends. Okay, so question for you guys. Which who all has seen most, if not all, of the whole Razor movies? The I've first seen- three is what I've seen. So it's been a while for three though. the original four, what is you guys what was your favorite Cenobite? Aside from outside the original four, outside Pinhead. We can't say the first. Oh, uh, from like the, the later films? Yeah. Uh, Piston Head. And then Camera Guy. No. CD Guy and Piston Head. See, I like CD Guy and I like the uh, the barbed wire head guy. Yeah, that was pretty cool too. Who's the guy that burps fire? The, the barbed wire. Barbed wire guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's See, some I, shit the further on you go. Yeah, uh, Pinhead pretty much makes his own Cenobites, gets the power to do that later well, I don't on. Because I like Angelique in the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the fourth one, like the melting faces. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, the Siamese twins are so cool. I, God, see, yeah, so I have that as a figure. Too. Or uh, the last Hellraiser film, the Paul, one that Paul Taylor in, there's a Cenobite that uh, he eats. He has people write down like they're like uh, like the bad shit they've done and like their sorrows and their griefs and then he eats it and then he pukes it back up. And then that goes into like this trough and like feeds like shit. It's crazy. But there's a Cenobite who's like his entire job is like sit there and like types things. He's like collects all the mis- like the memories of their pain and shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Think of That's think of like bizarre. think of like a uh, like a your worst nightmare is like the monotony of every day where you have just to sit there and do the same thing over and over again. That's his hell. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, like I said, like a really fucking weird scene where like pinheads in the corner and this dude like makes him write down like a bunch of fucked up shit. And then that guy eats it and then pukes it into a trough. And then that the camera follows the trough tube into something. It's really fucking gross. And then people are like eating the puke. It's fucking strange. It's just body horror to the max. Why are we not? What? what? We need to put that on the review list. <laughs> it's like seven years what down the road. Man. <laughs> like, come on. We can't skip sequels, skip man. Three, four, whatever. Put that one on. <laughs> Bobby just wants to watch this puke thing. That's the only reason. See, I'm a little fucked up in the head. <laughs> puke dick. Bobby likes that puke dick. I don't know. Uh, like I, know I said, you too, Johnny, diving into the mythology after the third one, you're just kind of like, yeah, this is getting a little bit too much. Anything convoluted. after the third one makes complete no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like even the third one's like stretching it with the obelisk. But yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Julia was originally supposed to rise from the mattress as the queen of hell at the end of the movie. The theory being that she would be the series' continuing character. But then again, like I said, once Hellraiser opened, Pinhead proved to be more popular, so the, the, uh, the focus is on him. Uh, Pinhead and the pillar that rises from the mattress at the end of the film was not played by Doug Bradley, but rather by makeup effect ar- artist Jeffrey Portis. Hmm. What else? Hmm. I feel like I've heard that name. I know. I was thinking that, too. I can't remember. <laughs> Uh, the original script, which featured Larry Cotton as a major character, was essentially the same as the final film produced, except that Larry was in the chamber with Frank, where they were attached to each other like Siamese twins, until Frank attacks Kirsty. at which point Larry cuts them apart and they begin to fight until Julia arrives. Later, Larry escapes with Tiffany and Kirsty from hell, and it was him and not Kirsty that kills Julia. But he promptly has a heart attack and is ushered away when they return to the hospital. This segues into the notorious deleted scene with Pinhead and OR Scrubs, where he informs Kirsty that go. Larry will die in an imitation of a doctor. However, Larry returns at the end still alive, and it is him and not Tiffany that Kirsty leaves the hospital with. Question from Brody, real quick. Uh, who would you cast as a new Pinhead? Hmm. I mean, I personally think Paul Taylor, who did it. Doug Jones does. No Paul Taylor because his voice is not uh, menacing enough. Hmm. Doug Jones does all the like uh, motion capture and a lot of characters. Um, he was Ape Sapien and Hellboy. Yep. Uh, the Silver hmm. Surfer. You're right. Okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he'd probably be a good choice. Actually, he would be interesting to see because he's very tall. Right. Because we're so used to seeing Pinhead. It would be interesting to see him. So I would agree with that. The guy who played Doctor Strange. Benedict Cumbersnatch. Yeah. Benedict what, uh, the guy who played, was the guy that you mentioned earlier, Chad, was he also the uh, guy in Prometheus who did the engineer? Doug Jones? Or no? I don't think. Uh, Doug Jones is really, really skinny. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm trying to think. Who the fuck? Because the guy who did... Um, the engineer, I don't know. It would be kind of cool to see a fucking seven-foot-tall pinhead. You, <laughs> you want to see pinhead swole? <laughs> I do. I want to see, like, Freddy from number five when he was super jacked, but in pinhead. Super Freddy. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, God. Okay, we so got for more notes. Um, the unrated, uncut U.S. video and Laserdisc releases and some European prints feature two new scenes showing Dr. Chenard slicing a patient's hand off and a hammer nailing in Pinhead's nails. Uh, that was actually later on added into pretty much every version. Uh, but Which, by the way, like like I said, I don't remember seeing the scene where Kirsty walks into her old childhood home before until I saw it this time. The one where like she was looking at all the pictures and they were bleeding yeah, shit? With blood and everything. Okay. Like, I don't remember seeing it before. Would you watch it on, by the way? Amazon Prime. Yeah. On yeah. Demand. I, had on, I watched it on Hulu, so. Well, how long was it on Hulu? Was it the 99-minute version? Uh, what the fuck? Not- no, maybe? Yeah, it might have been. I'm just going to assume it was. Cause on, cause all, the, all those scenes you just said that were added in, I mean, I saw them all, like the pins in the head and the childhood home and shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was all there. Okay, so you probably saw the, the really long, longer cut. Okay, originally, uh, there was going to be an extra scene during the ending when Kirsty and Tiffany are running from Shinar, this, this insurgent scene. Uh, the scene was planned so that John, during their escape, the duo run into a doctor and nurse. The doctor demands to know what they're doing. Kirsty backs away in horror when suddenly the doctor and nurse turn into Pinhead and the female Cenobite before she and Tiffany continue running. The scene was filmed, but ultimately dropped from the final cut for two reasons. One was because the filmmakers thought that having Doug Bradley as a normal doctor would confuse the viewers. And another another was because the special effects for the scene turned out pretty poorly. So they decided to discard it altogether. However, a photographer who was on set took some photos of Pinhead and the female Cenobite, which were used for the promotion of the film and also used on some of the VHS and DVD covers of the movie, which confused fans and started rumors about an infamous deleted scene. Uh, some trailers actually feature a few shots of it, as well as parts of another deleted scene with the chatterer stopping the elevator with his hand and jumping at Kirsty and Tiffany. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's uh, that's pretty much it as far as the behind-the-scenes stuff. Nice. We're going to end it with the, the famous deleted scene that everybody talks about that was never really deleted because it was never really finished. <laughs> never existed. That's a shame. All righty. Well, before we continue on, gentlemen, I was wondering, uh, should we hear from our sponsors? Absolutely. Uh, Don Shell wants us to give him a ring. Yeah? yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's give Don a call. Yeah. I decided that I'm no longer going to panic. I'm just going to take my sweet fucking time doing stuff because uh, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, Quarantine. Yeah. I mean, what? What's the point of fucking having to rush? I mean, everything's fucking slow because everyone's on right now. <laughs> I checked my internet speeds. It's the same. It's just the, the bandwidth. Oh, fuck. Too many people at home. That's all right. They hopefully should be watching all of us. Check your speed again. I just logged off your Wi-Fi. Oh. So I got pretty good speed here. Banana phone. Banana phone. (laughs) Hey, Don, you are live on the Gore and More podcast. What are your thoughts on Hellraiser 2? Greetings, mortals. Well, to, uh, as much as I love Hell, Hellraiser 2, um, I do have to say the uh, the DJ Cenobite or the CD guy, as you called them earlier, is probably one of my favorite ones as a kid. But I do have to blame Hellraiser 2 with its uh, the limited CGI effects as the for the downfall of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise you know, when Dream Child came out, you know? So, yep, yep. That's a pretty hot take. But, um, hmm. Yeah. But... Uh, Speaking of skin suits, I would have loved to have seen Cassandra Peterson in that skin suit, to be honest with you. That would out skin suit, Boy. by the way. But here's a little trivia for you. Speaking of Cassandra Peterson, what does she have in common with Douglas Bradley and Ashley Lawrence right now? And if you need a hint, I'll give you another two actors. Or actor two. Ooh. Got me on that one. Yeah, you got me there too. It's, oh, shit. All right, uh, Corey Feldman, everyone's your favorite fanboy. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. favorite mouth on the internet. Good, good, good. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of our favorite uh, horror uh, actors and actresses, everyone from Warwick Davis of Leprechaun to Linda Blair for The Exorcist. 
are going to be on Adult Swim starting next month. Really? Really? Yep. Really? Yes. A brand new, fantastic uh, little cartoon series called J.J. Billard's Fairy Tales. And it has everyone from Shara Lee to uh, Peter Weller. Uh, what's his name from RoboCop? And you also have Keith David in there and uh, a few others, uh, if memory serves. I saw the trailer oh, uh, just got released a couple weeks ago. And it's uh, it's a fun little twist. So that's awesome. Peter Weller, that out, dude. From RoboCop. Yes, Peter Weller. Now that I think about it. But uh, yeah, um, Hellraiser 2, I thought it was great. Uh, the practical effects were outstanding. Um, someone had a. Uh, you know, a skinless fetish, that's for sure, going on with that um, film. <laughs> um, and you, that was a I good thing. I, I thought you talked about the skinless titties we were talking about. <laughs> you had the skinless titties, you had the skinless uncle towards the end, and, um, you know, yeah, the, and the whole Leviathan thing with the labyrinth, um, you know, tying into mythology. There was a lot of mythological references in the film, you know, if, uh, if you uh, dig a little deeper into the artwork and, and, you know how things went but yeah i thought it was uh, overall it was a pretty uh you know fun film and how she slowly started getting her body back with each person that she absorbed and you know took on but yeah not too bad but i'm looking forward to that little bit of a horror animation the animation reminds me a little bit of, of uh like super jail but uh a little bit oh more. my god i remember that show <laughs> Oh, I love Super Jail. It, it took, what, five years before season three came out or some shit like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. That, that was a very messed up show. <laughs> yes, uh, it was a great show. But yeah, uh, this guy managed to get a lot of our favorites all together for an animation and uh, for a bunch of voice acts. It's going to be uh, airing on Cartoon Network. I think uh, May 10th was the release date, if memory serves. And uh, so, yeah, it's J.J. Billard's Fairy Tales. That's awesome. And it, that's going to be fun. Get to watch. Okay. And you got everyone from like Rapunzel to all sorts of screwed up stuff in there. And, uh, um, you know, and like I said, it's very much the, it's like Super Jail meets actual horror instead of an acid trip. Uh, well, I guess you could call mm-hmm. it acid trip horror. But, um, yeah, there you go. And uh, other than that, yeah, loved it. Awesome. It was, uh, awesome. One, it was definitely one of the better sequel uh, horror films that, it, you know, came out. And, um, but still, Nightmare on Elm Street versus uh, Hellraiser. That's an interesting little combo. Okay. Well, thanks, Don, for uh, coming on the, the show, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Don. Thank you very Thank much. You, sir. Cheers. Okay, guys. So, moving on with the show, what do we got? We got Johnny D's big questions. Okay. Two, when we bring it up. Okay. Um, so my first question is, why is, um, I'm going to fuck your name up, but the, the main chick there, the, the evil one, uh, why is she able to regenerate her skin, but Frank was not? I don't think Frank that ate was, enough. That was going to be my question. I don't think Frank ate enough. I was wondering that too. Cause yeah, but she was done in two days. Well, this is what my question. Why was her resurrection so much different from Frank's? And the only thing I can come up with. And yet, and this kind of makes sense looking back is because when the Cenobites killed Frank, they literally ripped him to pieces. Okay, that would make sense. So he, think of. but they ripped her up too. Not the way. No, he was, no not only her face really okay. in the bed. I took it as she, he wasn't able to eat as much as she was. 
it's all about sucking life force. And I feel like there just wasn't enough life force drained. I think that there was more people to give Kurt, uh, to give what's her nuts. Julia, 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 because he had the entire hospital to feed. He had that people ready where Julia had to go out and get the people for Frank, where he, she had to find them and lure them back into the house. So they weren't as the amount wasn't as there. Okay. But why was it when she came back, she was more complete than Frank was. Because she was able to have more than Frank. No, 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 no. When she no, 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 no. Came right, back. right. Like, yeah. She you was know. already a full muscle form. She wasn't yeah. just skeleton. Oh, because, and- because Frank started out as one droplet of blood. That guy was sitting there fucking cutting himself. That was fucking drenched in blood. So you got oh, yeah, that's the cool. sheer amount of blood on that that were able to okay. resurrect her. That's- so as so that was enabled enough to give her her hands. Bring her in. More blood starting to squeeze out of him. So uh, she just pulled him yes. in. And okay, okay, I, I can. I that would make sense because yeah, when he got a first body, she got a couple drops of blood. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Do you know? Do you remember how many victims that Frank got in the first one to resurrect? Do you remember? No, but if you go through that scene, you can I counted. Julie. I already did. She okay. had seven. She had six hanging up, and then she killed the guy from Aliens there to like complete okay. herself. Okay. So, and so what, three, three with Frank, maybe. That right. Maybe. Four, three, four. three guys, and then his his brother at the end, which yeah. would have been the skin suit. So there's four. So the, if again, what are we doing right now? We're looking too deep in Hellraiser <laughs> mythology. Okay, never too deep. Okay. Always go but deep. If, if I think my way of seeing it could be explaining why it is like okay, seven, go with that. three or four. Yeah, that, that would be the more accurate Just, way to say it. More bodies to because when she said now we need skin, I thought she was going to do the same thing and they were going to steal that girl that was naked on the their hands and the back of their skulls and then sucking the life force out. Thinking of it, think of it like the the brain bug brain damage. Brain damage. <laughs> okay, so let's see. That's a good answer to that question, sir. Um, let's see. So thanks, Johnny. Sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I just thought that was like the best one that I had. Um. What the fuck were the blue orbs at the end? Were those souls? Uh, yes. Yeah, because they had like skull faces. If you them. read into the mythology, okay, let's go back again. When <laughs> the Lamont configuration is solved within side of the Leviathan, so you actually have to be within the Leviathan, mm-hmm. it will temp- temporarily cause the Leviathan to restart and it will spin excessively, expelling souls while it's reconfiguring itself. So the blue light you see are trapped souls being expelled during the reconfiguration process from its spinning. And that is the only time that souls can be released from the Leviathan. And the only way to reset the Leviathan is by solving the law configuration from within side. Okay. Okay. I did research this time, guys. Uh, let's see here. Um, I got a couple more. I mean, some of these are probably stupid. Like, why the hell? Okay, when she thought she saw her dead dad, why did she put the blood to her lips? Like, why? Why do you need to taste it to see if it's really blood? Can she just like smell it or something? Just can't figure out. The hell out. Because that blood is too fucking light. It's supposed <laughs> to be darker. It definitely did look like a weird fucking. Uh, it looked like strawberry juice, right? Yeah, there you go, strawberry jam. I just got that bothered mixed out. with other bodily fluids. Ooh. Semen. That still bothered the hell out of me. Blood as dark as can be. <laughs> and all right, so here's my last question. Gentlemen, what do you think in the doctor's flashback? What do you think he was dissecting as a child? Cats. Dogs. Okay. 
I, I figured it was a cat. I tried really Beatrice. pausing in on it and looking, but it was kind of a hard one. That's what she said. Oh. Yeah. Probably probably animals more than anything. Right. He's just a weird fucking uh, weirdo from the get-go. Uh, Brody just put a, why did Julia's dead skin mask look like Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It looks like it looked like a bad thin pull of a Michael Myers mask. It looked like a piece of shit when I saw it at Walmart during Halloween this year. <laughs> hey, Heather has a good question. Uh, was Julia sucking brains through their mouths like in brain damage? I figured it was just essence, but yeah, it could be it could be brains. It would, yeah, but didn't she do it a different way on one of them? Through the back of the skull, too. Yeah, she did it to all of them like that. She put her fingers into it and then, like, just like, sucked them out. <laughs> Do you like spooky things in horror movies? Then Cabin 13 has the stuff for you. Check out their selection of horror-themed props, bins, busts, action figures, collectibles, and more. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to visit Cabin13.com and buy something, or I'll kill you! Marcio Charlie's Horror Costume Studios. Premium hand-sculpted latex masks, busts, and hoods. Everything is handmade and painted by Marcio himself. Be sure to check out his wide range and selection of products over at Facebook and Instagram at Horror Costume Studios. Hey, you out there. Hey, listener. Take a look at yourself. Want to know why you look like shit? Because you aren't wearing Dubak merch. Take your ugly ass over to dubackdiscussion.net and click on the merch tab. Pick up some hot fucking swag, then you can become a sexual tyrannosaurus just like us. Graveyard Classics, horror-themed tees and posters, professional in-house screen printing, and clay prints. Powered by Deathstyle Art and Graphics. Go see what you can dig up over at GraveyardClassics.net. Come on down to Mask by Lance. Premium Friday the 13th custom-made hockey mask. Down there in Tennessee by Lance McKinney. Find him on Facebook and Instagram over at Mask by Lance. Go order one now, boy. Yee-hoo! Okay, guys, sorry to do you in the middle there, but uh, didn't want to forget that because you fucking know we would have. Hey, guys, RoboFuck wants to know, do you think Julia could suck start a Harley? Ooh. <laughs> she could suck start me tomorrow morning if I want to put her to the test. Put her that, give her that Italian sausage. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh, Todd wants to know, what is your favorite design that you see in, in the movie of the Lamont configuration? That red one looked pretty cool. And the, and the center case, the, the there's three different Lamont configurations. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I like the. I thought they were the, all the same. It just just they were all angled differently. So you see. Uh uh-uh, uh they're all different. They're all oh different. yeah, I would have not noticed that. <laughs> I thought not that was the, the um not the middle one. The the one I guess if the camera one two three the third one that was not the real the normal one. So not the red one. The other one. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, guys. So, uh, where are we? My fucking mouse thing. Uh, and we're on to douche of the movie. Okay. Yes. Uh, I would have to say Kennard. Fuck that guy. Uh, both him as a doctor and both him as a Cenobite. Kind of a douche. Always there to fucking stop anything good from happening. <laughs> well, I'm going to still have to go with Julian for me. Yeah. Kennard was a douche, but. He was a terrible douche. As in, to me, he wasn't really douchey enough. I would say hmm. Julia was just a bitch. What was that, Chad? 
I, I say Julia gets douched in the movie for this one too. Mm-hmm. She was douched in the movie. First yeah. one, she's okay, the movie. it's Julia. You're right. Canard <laughs> was mean, a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, he was bad, but nah. you know, she was leading him the whole way. Yeah. He he was not, I say bad worthy. Like he just he didn't scream like I'm terrible. Like he he was more like, I'm here. Boo. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, guys. So, uh, favorite kill. That isn't cranberry sauce already. No, it's not. Uh, favorite kill would have to go. Mm. Chat? I got to go with the guy cutting himself on Julia's bed to bring her back. I like that. That, that scene just went on and on. It's excruciating to watch. <sighs> See, that? that's actually my vote for a different topic. So I can't say that for kill. I'm gonna have to say kill for when the doctor actually gets killed and ter- gets turned into a Cenobite. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like those. I'm gonna go with that. Right. Yeah. So kind of weird shit fucking injecting into him and everything like that, and then the random just wires wrapping around his face. I wish we could have seen more of him as just the Cenobite. Yeah, we didn't see him very long. Maybe what second? Not even. I like to see him detached from that fucking thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, guys, Bobby, what was your favorite kill? I said. Canard getting taken over. Okay, fair enough. Okay, guys, so best scene. Garbage day! Oh, yes. So, mine would have to be whenever Canard comes in the room and kills all the fucking OG Cenobites. Just... Yeah. I did not expect that. I expected at least a little bit more of a battle, but I was just like, oh, nope. Guess That's not. what I thought, too. I'm like, really? You somehow... Like, but then again, that also backs up my whole uh, thing of He's just a puppet for Leviathan, as in that power would only be able to be harnessed by Leviathan. I mean, he walks in and he goes, and all four Cenobites are down, people. Not just down, but reverted to their human yes. forms, too. Right. Should be a power that only Leviathan could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, let's see. Yeah, my best scene, man, was when. Julia came back. That whole scene was just cringy as fuck. Oh, dang. Great. We've seen it before, uh, though. Yeah, but not with some dude hacking himself with a fucking razor getting imaginary yeah. bugs oh, off. Fuck yeah, you're right. It is kind of cringy. I like, that was the that was the part. Like, okay, yes, Frank's resurrection was a cool scene in the first one. That was disgusting. Um, but this one was just, I don't know, this one just felt more brutal just because of how it went down. But what you got, gentlemen? I would. I have two. Um, her coming back, Julia coming back, and then I like when Christy is talking to the Cenobites with Tiffany, and then she shows Pinhead that this is who he really is, and that whole configuration of them just before Canard Tr- comes onto the scene. I like that. I also I like that. Kind of like that, all, that all kind of ties together into the same scene. So I would say from that point. Till they all die is the best. So while we're on to that, can we talk about the cinematography into how the fuck Canard came onto screen for that fucking shot? He faded in from shadow, like right. from darkness, slowly into shadow and right into the fucking light. And it, you can see him in the background slowly come. It's so fucking creepy. It's so well done and so well lit. Like I wish more shots were like that. But horror is just not like that. Anymore. I wonder how many takes they had to get to take just right. that just right. This and I, I thought about the exact thing. Whenever they had Pinhead first shown, when he was walking through the hallway, like I wonder how yeah. much were they? Oh, when, hey, action! And he'd get like halfway through, and they show his face, like ah, cut! <laughs> Fuck! Okay, 
More smoke. Yeah, more smoke. <laughs> you, you're talking about the scene when he first comes in. He's like, no. Yeah, like no. Honestly, a little gust of wind came by. The same gust of wind that was blowing the sets around blew some of that smoke away. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's like she didn't call Actually, me. the lighting on Chad's cam kind of looks like the Cenobite lighting. Right. The nice, like, kind of uh, bluish gray. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, Chad Christman, let's see your Austin Penn have you're not safe for work. Ooh, hot damn, Robofuck. Okay, guys. <laughs> so, did the opening scene hook you in? Yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. yes. Absolutely. Said that gave us a little origin of Pinhead. Yep. That was cool. So, best hits, hottest girl. Swing, swing. I'm going to have to go Temple. with. Uh, She's a babe. She's magically babelicious. Skinless Julia. <laughs> I mean. Which, by the way, was a different actress. Mm, yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, fair enough. Let's see. Now, do I mean, think the latex suit that was making her tits that perky? Or are they natural? Uh, well, if you look at her later. True that, true that. I'm going to have to say, uh, not that you really could see him, but that one chick under the blanket that was moving around in Frank's hell. She had some big old titties, and I was hoping you'd see them. And then <laughs> when they pulled the blanket, disappeared. Oh, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Can we talk about Frank's eternal punishment as being eternally teased? Yeah, right? <laughs> that sucks dick, dude. You shall have blue balls forever. <laughs> like, yo, these chicks want it. Psych. <laughs> Every time. That would. Oh, that, <laughs> exactly. That feeling Listen, right I'll there. Take, I'll take being pulled apart like in the first one. I'll take all that. Don't put me in that hell. <laughs> Don't put me there. The blue ball corner of hell. <laughs> yeah, dollar night at the titty club. Oh no! But best hits, hottest girl. Uh, Julia. I don't. I mean, I besides, like what's I like the, only other, the only other set you got was that one girl uh, hanging up before she killed her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was the only other like one we saw. Okay, best hits. Uh, the girl. Uh, yeah. Going full cowgirl uh, and Predator 2. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I remember that scene. Because <laughs> it's just the fucking shots right into the fucking. Uh, goes in the window. So, oh, I love it. You know my that heart, yeah, my no, heart on. That's four star Terry Weigel. Okay. Well, then that's oh. one. <laughs> Seasoned. I remember the first time when I was a little kid watching that movie and that scene came out. My old man's like, oh shit, I forgot about this. He's looking for the, fuck, <laughs> looking for the remote and I'm just like, too late, dad. Yay! <laughs> it is. Oh, By the way, real quick, there is pinhead porn. Of course, check it is. out. Check um, it out. It's all my- are, Listen, are there pins on the other head? Ooh. I have to go find out. All I gotta say is that... <laughs> That female Cenobite knows how to polish. Oh, so he, dude, if he doesn't fuck her neck, I would be so upset. In the <laughs> original name for female Cenobite was Deep Throat. I'm not uh, sure. That comes I th- from, I think, I yeah, think I did read that. That story. comes from Clive Barker. But I'm bummed. All that slime you constantly see people uh, wiping with their fingers uh, was referred to as elephant cum on set. Nice. Yeah. Clive's <laughs> preferred uh, use of the word. Okay. Well, Clive is a fairly perverted person to begin with. Yes. So yes. That uh, I found that out. It's not surprised yes. me at all. <laughs> okay, guys. So did the score set the mood? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, like I said. It didn't. It didn't feel like your traditional horror score. 
It felt no, more like a yeah, just it yeah. felt like a big kind of a fantasy movie, something almost like an opera kind of thing. But it had those elements of the the scare with it, which yes, what made it as so Brody nice. said, gothic horror. Yes, yeah, that works. And I, I I have both of these scores at home, the first Ooh. one and this one, and I listened to the second one more than I've listened to the first one. Okay. If yeah. FYE opens up, they have Hellraiser 2 and 3. I'm going to pick them up. Halloween yeah. 2 score, I prefer of the first one. Right? I love the Halloween 2 it's score. It's so synthwave. I was, I was waiting to bring that up until we actually review Halloween okay. 2 this year. But yes, I'm, I, love the, I love the organ music more than the piano. I have it on. But, yes. Not I'm working on getting the both finals of one and two. I, I have, I have the, uh, the 20th anniversary re-release of it. Or was, no, 30th, nice. 30th anniversary. I just have the orange uh, final one. I have Halloween yeah, that's, four. That's amazing. my favorite I can't wait to get the Audio Technica turntable that will uh, silently plug in to channel on this, and then we can play live. Right. That'd be so great. I, be I, old, I have to hear that. Right. It's uh. <clears throat> dope. Okay, so uh, that brings us to best song. There wasn't really any songs to uh, talk about. The main no. theme. Yeah. 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 Sure. Soundtrack. That sure. Favorite character, guys. Favorite character uh, forever and always, Butterball. Who actually had speaking lines that were cut out of this? Oh, really? They actually gave his lines to um, the female instead because uh, his teeth. He couldn't talk with the, the fake teeth. Ah. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna go with butter. Um, hmm. Let's see. Fuck, I don't remember his name. I was just gonna give him a shout out just because yesterday was Alien Day and he was in Aliens. You know what? I, this movie. What if I got a second monitor so you could see like the thing that would eliminate that, like a little ten-inch monitor? Because all you use that for is to see them essentially. Right. right. To follow along with this. Oh yeah. <laughs> thinking, I'm thinking. I mean, I like the doctor, especially once he turned, because then, he, yeah. you know, then he really became the character I felt like they were trying to go for. But yeah, he's. He, I, I gotta go with Pinhead. He was yeah. more synthetic in this one. Yeah, more Pinhead. Yes, Pinhead isn't always will be a favorite of mine. But so besides, Pin, I love Pinhead. He's my favorite. But I would also put in. Um, Probably Julia, in the sense that in this movie she's a lot more, um, I guess, sinister. Especially when she comes back, she had that. Anybody notice how she had that little fucking smile on her face when she came back? When the, in the like, first one, she was just a bitch. Yeah, this, this she, one she's focused. She's, she's, sinister. Sinister. she's sinister. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, she even called herself the evil queen, and then she gave. I was. I laughed so hard when she fucking slapped what's her name in that. Because all I could think of was the Chappelle show skit. It was like, hey, what are the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> that kind of made me mad a little bit because I'm like, she slapped her. Damn, that girl can't take a slap. Dude, she was out for a while, too. From That's that what hit. I mean. It's like, she went like, it was like, bitch. And all of a sudden, bam, out. I'm like, really? <sighs> Good okay, guys. Was it scary? Uh, you know, it, it had its yeah. moments, absolutely. I cringed still at scenes, so yeah. That that cutting scene, yeah, that makes me yeah. Does that, it hold up today then? That would yes. Yes, what some of the cinematography parts if we, if we can get past the mats. If we can get past the mats, then yes. yes. Okay. Then yes, absolutely. I, I I agree to that. Acting. Yeah. Acting was good. Superb. Yeah. Superb, of course. Uh cinematography. 
I love it. Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, Every scene was well lit, and it was very cohesive with the first film and feel and look. Uh, I also like to say that you can tell that the budget was not there on this film. (laughs) Uh, And the production suffered. The cinematography, however, did not, as they compensated appropriately with different visual effects styles, uh, with lighting, with the way that they did their uh, sets, clearly. Uh, Cost-cutting measures were taken. But if you don't pay attention to the little itty-bitty details, everything you see on screen looks phenomenal. Uh, And it's believable, and it puts you in that labyrinth. Uh, yeah, I love the film. Also, uh, the sound design. There is scenes where that is eerily quiet, where it almost sounds like you're in the room and you can hear a pin drop. And I think that that is something that is so key and is missed today. And I think that this film does it so well. Uh, I, I guess this is very way off topic of cinematography, but it's just... It's just something that we don't really talk about a lot is, is sound design within horror films because a lot of the these films that we review don't have that, really. But I think this film is one that uh, benefits from that extra effort into sound design. Like even the noises that happens, like you said, with the Leviathan horn or the sounds that happen when the Cenobites come, stuff like that. Uh, or even like uh, the sound of the wood moving on the Lamont configuration, that sliding. Oh, it's just so distinct. You know what it is. It's it's cool. I don't know. This film's cool. I love the cinematography. I love the way it sounds. I love the way it looks. I love everything about it. Yeah, I love the decision to make Leviathan this giant version of the Lament configuration itself. Like an obscure, elongated... Yeah, it's dope. It's a physical... Yeah, having absolutely. it be a physical thing and represented visually is just... Yes. It's huge. Huge. Yeah, guys. Uh, any comments on that? No, man. Uh, there was one shot I noticed that I thought it, it probably just got screwed up in editing. And I think it would have made sense more if they flipped it. But so you remember the uh, the first time the doctor goes down to the maintenance basement to where you yeah. start, you hear everybody scream. And he's going through the three doors there in the hallway and checks it. Well, there's a scene, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, they go back down to the maintenance basement and it's just a panning shot through that hallway again. And all they do is they paint it on one side and then it goes, shows a door and then it shows those pipes and then the door and then the pipes and the door. And it was a cool like setup shot, but I felt like that should have been first before the doctor actually going down and like going through those rooms and stuff. I don't know if that maybe was just a weird little film at it or something, but like what you were saying, they, they didn't have a lot of, they didn't have a lot of areas that they could kind of like they cut it wrong. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It, and it still works you know what i mean it yeah. still looked good it was still a good shot it just made i'm like it would have made more yeah just but it made that, it feel like hmm why did they do that yeah it just threw me off i was just like that's weird okay editing oh, shit happens in it all i could think of is i was like man those are some leaky ass pipes <laughs> that is like that is like a horror film trope right yeah there. you have a basement you have to have leaky pipes leaky or pipes. anything with pipes uh yep. any nightmare on elm street film <laughs> Steam. Yes, steam. So they all have poorly maintained plumbing. Yes, <laughs> and that's why there's no slasher. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> Every movie. So, gentlemen, premise. 
Yes. Love it. It wraps up everything that we were introduced in the first one. And Mm -hmm. third one without us realizing. Yes, with the obelisk. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. I will say, uh, after watching this, I'm definitely a lot more excited to watch the third one, even though you said, you all said this is the pinnacle of the series. Yes. The, The third one looks spectacular because of the big Hollywood budget. Yes. Ooh. Uh, for that one, huh? Uh, Weinstein's behind it. Yeah. Mm. All right, gentlemen. So we are on our three R's. Okay. Uh, I'm going to rewind this for days, motherfucker. Oh, yes. uh, there is no, nothing else should be applied to this other than rewind. Rewind. Yep. Can I say I, uh, enhanced, touched up? Yes. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I agree with this. Uh, let George Lucas play with it. Like, like we said, you know, maybe, <laughs> if, maybe get rid of some of the mat. Uh, the matte paintings, put in some good CGI. And I would even say some of the stop motion animation with like the tendrils coming out of his hand, the doctor's hands. Yeah. I think you could do that with way Again, better practical that, effects. Lucas play with it. Everything you just mentioned is something that George Lucas has fixed on Star Wars. I got to say, though, even for stop motion animation, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Because Harryhausen could have done a much better job. Yes. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? We gotta hire Taryn. She's doing pretty good with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that movie she made was so cool. Yeah. That was cool. She had to apply uh, everyone getting dragged out of frame after he kills them because they can't see the bodies. I love it. Anyway, guys, uh, we all can say rewind for days. Yes. Yep. Rewind and enhance. Yep. So rating. Uh, let's start this off with a bobbard. Four point out. Four, Actually, no. Oh. 4.3. 4.3 bloody VHS tapes for Bobbert. Okay, Chadwick. Four and a quarter for me, buddy. Four, 4.3 plus 4.25. Okay, and John? Um, I'm going to go with a four. And I'm going to give it a four and a half. All right. That will give a Goremore score of Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, 4.2. Bloody view tests. By the way, you're saying it backwards. Yep, it's Hellbound, Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Well, I put the fucking title as Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. I know. So let me ask you, is there any other movies where it has the subtitle first? Like this? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Good, very nice. Look at that. Bobby pulling that ray out. Fucking A. I don't know. That was just something I, I noticed. I was just like, man, that, it's weird that they did that. I yeah. like it, but all righty. You know what? I kind of would like that if it was uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday the 13th, Part 8. Jason right. X, Friday the 13th, Part 10. But it's just Jason. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Yeah. Which celebrated its anniversary over the weekend. I heard. Hell yeah. Dude, there was, was a lot of space movies, man. That. It was Alien Day yesterday. I don't know yeah. if any of you guys uh, jumped on that. Uh, happy belated Alien Day to everybody. <laughs> um, watching Aliens. Yeah, I, I could have planned that better. Yeah, that's all right. I celebrated the day. Uh, I woke up, watched Clerks, Great. then I yeah. watched Predator Two, and then I watched Hellraiser Two. Nice. Uh, Predator Two was Taryn's first introduction to the Predator character. Really? Yes. Ooh, that's actually loved nice. it. Loved it. Hell yeah! That, um, that thing she picked out the alien skull, and then. She's like, like when all the, the predators started showing up, she was like going crazy for that shit. Yeah. Dude, that scene was great. I remember that, that shit. Was a kid. Speaking of Hellraiser, though, I would like to uh, throw this out there because we always love 
our shutter as much as we do. Uh, shutter is actually going to be bringing s- not all of the Hellraiser series, but I think like most of them as of uh, mid-May to the service. So if you haven't watched anything else, John, this episode, uh, if you want something to watch with the wife, there is a documentary. My buddy Lido uh, scored it called Leviathan. It is yeah. a documentary about Hellraiser 1 and 2. Yeah. Ooh, I might oh, have, I have that. not seen that. I will have to watch it. That is one of the extras on the uh, Arrow. Oh, it is also on Shutter. Yes, uh, that is awesome. It's on Prime too. Oh, okay, I'll watch it on Shutter. Is yeah. it Prime because it's part of our Shutter though? No, I think it's possibility. <laughs> oh, that's right, because they do do the Shutter through Prime. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, I just thought that was um because there was actually some other news, and I don't. I I'll save that. Also, for you guys other news. Uh, new season of Joe Bob Briggs Last Drive-In premiered. With co-host Chris Jericho. No, Jesus. Really? <laughs> yeah, I gotta go watch that now. Just they did blood sucking freaks and uh, Darcy the male girl and everything was there. It was pretty cool. No shit. That's yep. awesome. So I believe there was um other Hellraiser news that maybe Chad had to say or TJ maybe did. Right now, uh, Hellraiser is getting an HBO series with David Gordon Green directing and Michael Doherty writing the show. Oh, and there's only one reason why this news is coming out today. It is because the boys over Bloody Disgusting are big fans of the Gorenmore podcast. <laughs> and heard we were doing this episode a couple weeks ago, so they planned this article totally around this. And there was no other reason or rhyme to why they would do that because they did the same thing with Nightbreed. Yeah, they Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Pumpkinhead sorry. Pumpkinhead, yeah, yeah. Nightbreed, yeah. Oh, we will. They just love us so much. So oh, this, I feel like this has happened a few times. The Hellraiser TV series will not be a remake. It is a continuation. Ah. Says the elevated continuation and expansion of the well-established Hellraiser mythology. It is by no means a remake, but rather assumes the past mythology to be a given. So we're still staying in uh, present time then. That's good. Yeah, and it's still going to be around Pinhead and the Cenobites. Nice. No word on who's being pursued to play Pinhead. And they didn't have any actual like potential release date for that. They were just saying it's just no, starting up, right? Speculation. Well, everything's up in the air right now with the whole right nineteen. So it's hard to greenlight anything at the moment. I'd like That's true. Here's how I'd like the series to go. You don't see the fucking Cenobites until the last two episodes. The whole thing's just one big fucking buildup. I want to disagree with that. Uh, I want to be like the uh, epic slash Marvel um, Hellraiser series from the 90s where you see Cenobites, but they're not the ones we know. And then just kind of have it all wrapped up with Pinhead at the end. Like they're all. Mm. I can can get behind that. Because I need to see Pinhead. That has to happen no matter what. I like to see an old pinhead with Doug Bradley reprising his role. That'd be cool. Sure. He You're did that as a big costume. You're suffering his weighted fall too long. <laughs> that yeah, would be would... all fucking stiff if we saw a trailer and it ended with that. It would be cool though, like Chad was saying, if you saw a bunch of other ones and then like he was I mean he essentially is their leader, but he was almost like sitting on some big old like Shao Kahn throne. Fucking like towards the end of it or something like that. Be great, because then you they just could, see like then they could just have Doug Bradley doing it anyway. Goddamn right. But it's cool because like the first time you could show it, you wouldn't even have to show him. You would just show like a panning shot of the back of the throne going up, 
and you just see some of the pins nails and a pale fucking skull everyone's gonna go ape shit doesn't even (laughs) have to fucking be doug bradley look it up all night you fucking see like this much a fucking pinhead everyone's like dude pinhead yep (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah i think that's everything we got for uh extra hellraiser news yeah I got some uh, pickups this week. Uh, 1977's Rituals, 2001 Shredder, uh, Deadly Manor, which is a uh, fuck. What's his name? Isn't that a game? No. I thought that was a game on no. the Wii. Deadly Manor is. You're thinking of Luigi's Mansion. No, no, no. no. There was a weird <laughs> fucking. Resident Evil clone called like Deadly Manners. Hold on, I'm gonna look the shit. On the Wii? Same director yeah. as Edge of the Axe. Uh, I also got Valentine today. Shout Factory fucked up my order. Hell Knight and Slumber Party Massacre are supposed to be coming, but I have yet. There, I don't. I don't fucking know. I emailed. Them. Did you Did you get the deluxe Slumber Party Massacre with the figure? No. You fuck. I don't have room anymore, Chad. <laughs> you don't have room. I don't want to hear it. You figures. You can't. You you have you rotate them. Maybe another shadow box on the wall. You don't have room. Seriously, I don't have room. Bobby, you need a fucking house, a whole house for that. Even though <laughs> I'm on a couple of dolls, and I was a bad boy yesterday. I ordered the NECA Halloween Three triple figure set. Nice. Is the, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Dude, it's the shit. I was a bad. That was it. Everything else. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> like today. I, I saw that uh, the little mini bust of the creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm like, I gotta fucking have that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, gotta have it. Those little busts are sweet, dude. I like the Invisible Man one. I might grab that. This should have made it clear, though. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I, I kind of like the whole like mummied up look. Like I don't know, just kind of looking I, off I the side. Say, aside from the creature that I absolutely had to have, the one that I thought looked the best was the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that look. I have to me. relook at that one again. Oh, the opera look is it? Lon Chaney. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I did not get any new horror pickups, unfortunately, this week. Uh, the only thing I got is I got two new uh, Switch Pro controllers coming tomorrow, and that's about it. <laughs> Damn. Uh, speaking of that, upcoming episodes for you guys to be on the lookout for new episode of the TJ Bowser Power Hour in the works. Uh, new episode of Wake and Bake this Sunday. Uh, new episode of Rabbit Hole this Sunday as well. Uh, new Jerk the Curtain audio will be up this weekend. And hopefully a new Wicked Wednesdays comes this Wednesday. Uh, expect the audio of this to be up Wednesday as well. And I just, I just want to apologize. I haven't been listening to Wicked Wednesday because I've been so busy at work. Chase has been behind, so you might be behind maybe two episodes. Oh, I'm, I'm way behind. I've just been so busy at work. I haven't had time to listen to anything. Fair. Fair enough. But we are pumping out uh, podcasts left and right, and all you guys are out there listening to it, and our numbers are holding strong, and I appreciate the support, guys. Before we forget, yes, I would like to plug our next episode. Yes, what is that? Lumber Party Massacre 2. Yeah! Woo! I am so excited because <laughs> this is one of my favorite films. And this is going to be the most absurd thing you guys have I ever seen. I knew that was going to get And you know what? I've never seen this, but I cannot wait to see that drill guitar. Right? Oh, That's all I got to say. No, that, I, oh, I've never seen a guitar freaking player. And make I sure you pay attention and write notes because there's things I want you guys to pick up on that make no sense. And then at the end of the movie, 
you'll be like, so that's why it makes sense. All right. So this might have to be a double like watch. Things that are physically impossible. Like, I, I'll give you an example real quick. Sitting in the back of a fucking car, have a drill attached to a guitar this fucking long, manage to lift it up and then put it through the back of the driver. <laughs> How? Hey, they do it in impossible. Texas. Impossible. The you know what happens? It's it. awesome and you believe it. Uh, this might be something I make the wife watch with me. Oh, right, like, just because the pure cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, get the nachos ready, boys. <laughs> well, guys, we are approaching our hundred minutes of online stream, so I'm going to wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of the Gormore Podcast. This is your host with the motherfucking most TJ Bowser signing off. Your dark lord of knowledge, Chad Christmas, saying, "I'll see you next time, bitches." This is Big Johnny D saying, see you later, Gorehounds. This is Killing Machine Bobby Moan saying, look, I got Pinhead Jason, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting all, all episodes. Yes, <laughs> <you are. laughs> Bye, you fucks. <laughs>